0: This is the We the People, Our American Story podcast. My name is Tina McCafferty. Join me every week to hear the remarkable stories of veterans, combat survivors, first responders, and American patriots in their own words. If you are pro-freedom and pro-America, you are in the right place. We the People, Our American Story is the podcast for Americans who fiercely and unapologetically love America. Welcome to this episode of We the People, Our American Story. My guest today is Stormy King. Stormy, welcome. Thank you.
1: It's such an honor to be here.
0: I am happy to have you here to share your story. Before we begin with your story, I want to ask you, about your relationship with Shiloh Harris. Shiloh is a friend of the podcast. He has been a guest. He has referred probably four or five people to this podcast. I was so happy that I was finally able to meet Shiloh in person at an event here in Utah that I was able to get him to come and speak at, which was Hope on the Hill, to raise awareness for veteran suicide. I am curious how you know Shiloh. So Shiloh
1: was stationed in Schweinfurt, Germany. Gosh, I want to say it was in two, we were there. He got there after we did. So it was about 2003, 2004, 2005 time range, time frame. We were all there just under, I was there for just under under six years. And I, th- I think he may have been there just a tad bit longer than I have was. Um, got to know him and his wife at the time and and his daughter we they became really good family friends and we always kind of just stayed in in touch Um, even after his his injury and we've always you know communicated back and forth and he came a big speaker for for veterans and which is also a heartstring for myself and um, you know, we kind of have shared our, our stories back and forth together and, and supported each other just as friends, like, uh, you know, of ways of being and the mindset that, you know, and, and and little questions like, how? I may mean, we just recently had a conversation and I, I loved it, the first thing out of his mouth was, what are you doing to have fun? And I was like, that's that's the friend that you, you keep in your back pocket, right? The one that reminds you, to stop working and enjoy life.
0: I know that you had quite a tumultuous childhood and I imagine that had a great deal to deal do with the direction that you've taken in your life. Would you mind telling us a little bit about that childhood?
1: Yeah. So, um, my mother and my father were, were motorcycle gang members, um, in the well late sixties, early, early seventies. And my parents, um, had me, they were part of the Hells Angels motorcycle gang, and um, I was actually born drug addicted and moved um, from where I was born to to Oregon, and where I landed in the foster care system. And I spent the first 11 years of my life in and out of the foster care system, um, would go home to my mom, would go back into foster care, moved from foster home to foster home Uh, turned out to be 28 foster homes and three failed adoptions before i was 11 years old and that was just kind of the start i was actually known in the state as the throwaway child like i had moved so many times in my second grade year i didn't know how to read like thoroughly read until i was 13 years old and still struggle to this day like when I go to write something and writing as part of my career, as part of what I do, I have to give it to somebody else to proofread, not because that's just what you do, but because simple things like the word follow and follow there and there, like what you learn, start to learn at an early age. I didn't have that opportunity because I was being moved from foster home to foster home so much.
0: Why were you the throwaway child?
1: Um, I was starting to get too old. So if you think of now adopting young young teens that six or well seven eight nine that um, is more common, but in the early '80s that was not. Everybody wanted a baby. They didn't want a child who had a, a, emotional attachment issues. I had um, had what they classified then as RADS, which was a relationship attachment issue because I kept, they kept moving me from one home to one, another. And I had gotten to know the system so well that if I didn't like where I was, I knew exactly what to do to be moved. Unconsciously knew that that's what I was doing. And um, they, I moved with the garbage bag, like what you see today was still, was happening then and it still happens. I, I'm a huge advocate for children in foster care, and I still see it where children will go from foster home to foster home with, with bags. But it, in my file, it, it, sta- it stated, you know, she has been referred often as the throwaway child because they couldn't find a permanent home for me.
0: What does that do to a child's psyche to be moved around that much?
1: Oh, it, 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 it not only does it terrorize a psyche, but it It takes the self-confidence, the self-love and the doubt and just strips them away from from what anything that feels safe. And when you think of when someone asked me one time, what does safety mean to you? And for me, it's it's my home. It's it's my family. It's my the roof over my head. And while that safe may be something different for someone else because I didn't always have a safe place. There were times where I would go to school and I'd have every T-shirt on that I owned because I didn't know if I was coming home to the same place. And it was also a way of protecting myself because you become, as a child that doesn't have a permanent home, you become hypersensitive and hyperreactive to the traumas and the surroundings, so you become what you call hyper vigilant. Um, even as an adult, I carried some of those traits with me. Um, I have traveled across the world, and and I remember going some across Germany with my sister, uh, my foster sister, and I was driving, and I could tell her everything around me. That, you know, oh, did you see the bird that was landing in the middle of the field? But I was driving down the road because I was so hyper-vigilant of my surroundings. And that was not military training. That was what I learned as a small child.
0: I imagine, too, it's very lonely because you don't want to form any attachments to the families you're with, to any friends, because you don't know when you're going to leave. Or
1: just the opposite. Really? So one of two things will happen, especially for small children, is they you they won't attach at all, or they will overattach and sometimes overattach to the wrong people. So for me, <clears throat> excuse me, for me, everybody became mom. Even my friends' as parents were mom, because I didn't know what mom really meant. To me, as a small child, mom was just the female adult female. know, everybody was my sister, everybody was, you know, the aunt, because you kept, you know, kept getting, I just kept getting moved from home to home. So there was not clear boundaries around relationships and what those relationships would look like. Were you ever adopted? I was finally adopted um, when I was 11 years old. And that turned into a failed adoption. I ended up running away from home in my early teens
0: and where did you go when you
1: ran away i left the state i went like four states away
0: did you have help were you on your own um i had
1: help from a a boy that i thought was loved me whatever remember i had these relationship attachment issues and so i was still very young and very very impressionable that took me that ended me up in a whole different world
0: were you alone then the rest of your teenage years no family Uh, yeah how did you survive how did you provide for yourself
1: you know i look back now and I, i i thank god all the time i i count my blessings all the time i i landed in some very very horrific situations and i thank god that i'm still alive today
0: do you have any relationship whatsoever with your birth parents uh, unfortunately, no, I do not.
1: Um, my dad, my biological father, passed away in the eighties, and my mother is in a mental hospital and um, has situational schizophrenia.
0: Were you able it? to get a GED or graduate from high school? I did. I did. I did finish
1: my my education, and I was able to locate my younger brother who I was separated from. Uh, a few years back, and um, through that, I then later um, did a DNA search at convincing of a friend and found out I had four other siblings as well.
0: Wow. Mm-hmm. And were you able to meet them?
1: Yes, we've all connected. Um, those of us that have connected, we often joke whenever that you know we get the the monthly email from twenty three and me who's, you know, <laughs> do we got another sibling that's gonna pop up? Because if you think about the lifestyle, both my mother and and my father lived at that time, um, contraception was just not a,
0: it wasn't a big deal. It wasn't a priority.
1: No, it wasn't a priority, especially in their lifestyle. So
0: as an adult, when was the first time that you felt safe or grounded where you were? that you felt maybe this is my home i am safe here
1: probably when i when i met my first husband when we we got married we started a family of of our own i was very successful in my in my corporate career and then on to a dods um employee i was a, a dod employee for quite some time and it was just like that was my new normal
0: were it you was... still grappling at the time though with PTSD I did, grap- I,
1: I did grapple some which I look back now and 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 see certain things that transpired between my my first husband and I and why they transpired the way they did had I had more understanding and knowledge and 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 him as well um to why certain things were, were taking place in, in our marriage and in our relationship. And then I spent some time on my own, just alone with my kids and, and learning and studying and down the self-development rabbit hole and therapy and you name it, I did it. Because I just wanted, I wanted more for my life and I didn't want to keep that cycle. I didn't want that cycle to end up for my children. And I wanted to show others that have been through the same kinds of things that I had been through that there's hope that the story where you came from, it doesn't matter where you came from. You can achieve anything if you want it bad enough.
0: What was your introduction to the military? It was my first husband went into the service. We
1: had, um, we had actually just had our, our second child and he had come home and said, I enlisted in the service. And I, I ship out in six weeks. And I was quite young. Um, I was, I think I was 19, 20 years old. So it was, I was quite young. And he went away to basic and then straight to Korea. And so I dealt with those abandonment issues through that process. And then when he came home, we went to our first duty station. And then from there, we ended up in Germany, which. I can tell you for my first like every anybody who's experienced military life you get to your first military duty station the the last one was always the better one right <laughs> until, you get, until you get used to it um and i was i was really lucky um I, my my girlfriend i call her my sister but she was actually a foster sister i had had later um her and i have stayed in touch over the 35 plus years And her and her husband were also stationed overseas. Um, And so we were there together and that was really good for both of us and created a lot of stability for both of us during that time.
0: What did you learn about the military that maybe you didn't realize before? Ooh.
1: No, that's a good question. I had never really been exposed to the military world before. it's a giant family. Like we took care of each other. Uh, some of my fondest memories, you know, I think back and of, of deployments where us wives coming together and hey, I've got this dish. Can you make this dish? And you know, it was dinner. My my older kids often joke that dinner was always a constant potluck at our house because we all came together and 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 it was you know our own village to raise the kids while spouses were gone
0: I'm wondering when you maybe realized that you were living too much with your traumatic childhood and you had to do something different to pull yourself out of that can you remember the time when you knew you had to make a change
1: when my first husband and I divorced when we got when we got a divorce, and it was, um, it was very hard on both of us. Very emotional for both of us. Um, I lost friends. He lost friends. It's a you know, it's a whole different thought process. And when I I, I just walked away from everything, and that was when I really realized something's got to change. Something's got to give. I've got to. I've got to work harder and and know more and understand more. And the the thing is, is you don't know what you don't know. And as we become more and more aware of the behaviors and the the things that happen um, and how someone reacts to things like PTSD, um, because there's so many forms of PTSD and I had severe PTSD. Although it wasn't called that then, nobody knew
0: how to work with it. And can I ask no. how it manifested itself?
1: Oh, I, anger, I, acting out, um, acting out sexually, acting out, you name it. I, I went through the gamut. I did the things I spent the money freely and didn't know, you know, I there was just all different kinds of, of, of ways, irrational, uh, irrational behavior um the relationship pieces for my for my first husband he would leave and I would go through what I didn't understand and then was this abandonment while I was supporting and doing all the things I always had this well he's not going to come home you know thought process he's I, he's like everybody else everybody else already abandoned me
0: what did you do at that point then what do you mean? you are understanding you're coming to terms with the fact that it's not right that you have some sort of mental issues going on that you need to resolve because you can't keep living this way. what What are the steps that you take to change that?
1: Um well, I seeked out help i I, I seeked out um I seeked out therapy and I seeked out therapists who had were that were interested in and knew had a knowledge and understanding of working with adults who had severe traumatic childhoods.
0: What kind of work is involved there? How long does it take? I'm sure it's not a overnight and you're done. Oh, it,
1: it wasn't. It wasn't. It was, it was persistence. It was a lot of phone calls. It was a lot of um, self-advocacy. You know, and it was, and and you know, I I thank my first husband all the time because it was his his urging. You know, go talk to somebody. There's there's more here. It was at his urging.
0: And has that led you to the work that you do today? It has. Which is yeah. what?
1: I am I am often re- referred to as a destiny creator, but I am a mindset and success coach, and I help people shift their mindset and their beliefs around who they are, who they were and what they want and their goals and their desires and that they absolutely can achieve them.
0: And how do you do that? Can you walk us through some of those steps? It's, it's, it's kind of a, a process, but I
1: facilitate a program called Thinking Into Results, which is a, a program uh, that was created by Sandy Gallagher and Bob Proctor. It's been around for about 50 years. Um, but even just, I just finished a program called Destined that I facilitated with a group. And we go through values For for that particular program. I take you through values and we go through what are your importances of your values? We break down your self-belief, those limiting beliefs and why you're telling yourself them. Unpack them, uncover them, and get to really the core of what your goal is. Because so often, we say things like i want money
0: don't we all (laughs) we all right we all
1: do every but the the reality is most people that win the lottery are bankrupt within two years yes and the reason for that is it's not just that they don't know how to manage the money but they really they don't know literally they don't know what to do with it so when someone comes to me and says oh i want to make a hundred thousand dollars a month my first question is why what is what are you going to do with that hundred thousand dollars? And how are you going to be? And being is a way of of showing up. like it's a it's a feeling. it's an emotion. It's how you get to behave. What is your being? What are the actions you're gonna take? How do you show up in the world? How do you give back? and how do you stand for other people? And so often I take people through, a kind of a core exercise of like you've just had your best year and now you've got to donate who's that money going to and you walk in and it's it's a little bit longer than that but you walk in and you you hand them the CEO the check of the nonprofit and they said oh my gosh thank you we were just getting ready to close our doors and you get to see the ripple effect of who you get to become by stepping into your goal by stepping into your purpose what people don't think about is they they will poke fun or make be judgmental when someone says i want this car my goal is this car and and especially in a a very masculine world we we do that you know oh that you know but what they don't understand is by working towards that car they've now got that car that car does what one, it provides them with transportation, but the money that was spent on that car now pays the salary of the salesman, of the building, of the this. And there's a ripple effect to the energetics of the money and where the money goes. So by stepping into your goal and into your purpose, it's not just about you. It becomes about so much more and it's it's such a bigger area. Um so we go through we go through a lot of processes and and it really depends i i have an individual call with each person because i want to make sure one i'm a good fit to work with them if i'm not i refer them to somebody else i have a huge network of coaches that i work with
0: did it take you a long time was it a struggle for you to lean into this mindset
1: leaning into the mindset was not hard that was the easy part really that was actually the easy part it was the accountability of staying in the mindset it's the accountability of life happens it doesn't happen to you it happens for you so when life is starting to happen how do you get to respond are you responding or are you reacting And this was the piece I was, you know, as a young adult in my first marriage. I didn't understand. I was reacting to situations. I was reacting to different things instead of stepping back and responding. What do I get to create in this? So when the world feels heavy because life, well, you know, it happens. You get the crazy utility bill, you get the crazy you know the car payment or what whatever it may be that's going on in your world, relationship issues, it does, you know job losses. What do you get to create in that how do you get to respond versus react? And so you can take those hiccups and you can have that emotion at that moment in time. And you can learn to hold on to it for a moment and carry it with you to keep pushing forward and and create something, something different and something new. Um, but it's learning how to get there. And sometimes you need someone to reach down and pull you up to show you how.
0: Um, Within the last few years, I have taken a couple of different courses online, business courses, things of that nature, and repeatedly, I am told by these instructors, everyone should have a mindset coach. Yes. Why?
1: Because you can't be accountable for your own thoughts 100% of the time. Because you don't know what you don't know. So, how can you be aware of the thoughts and aware of the behaviors and actions? So, thoughts create actions, right? Your thoughts create things and your actions. So, your thoughts and your feelings, they all come together. And so when you start thinking about a goal, let's just say your goal is10,000 dollars a month. you want to you, what kind of mindset do you need to have to create that10,000 dollars? Even myself as a mindset coach has a mindset coach and continues to take training, because we're continuing to grow. The world continues to evolve. And it's an, an additional layer of account. It's an additional layer of accountability, because if your goal does not set you on fire to jump out of the bed and do it every single day, it's going to fizzle really quick.
0: Here's a question for you: mm-hmm. As someone like myself, it's uh, genetic somewhat. There is depression and anxiety that runs through my genes, my mom and dad. We're depressed and anxious. My siblings are all on medication. I'm on medication. Sometimes it is really hard to get out of bed. Mm-hmm. What do you tell someone like me?
1: That's okay. It really truly is okay. So we get to honor that anxiety, right? We get to honor honor those moments moments of depression. And we get to put a system in place for your low days. We get to put a system in place for the days where everybody else's energy is just a little bit too much for you to deal with. And we get to put that in place and help you get to the next day. We honor, you need, because the, this is the thing where I, I really, am, I'm a strong advocate for mental health and I'm a strong advocate for for suicide intervention and prevention and this is the like a, a hot topic for me is not enough people talk about that it's okay to have anxiety. It's okay to have depression. It doesn't make you a bad person. The story we create in our head, the story we start telling ourselves that we are bad people to be depressed makes the depression worse. And it makes it to the point where it's crippling that we that the, the single day turns into months, and grows and grows and turns into something bigger. But we can take the anxiety, the stories that are, you know, whatever story is coming up for us at the moment and is causing that vibration of, who I don't know if I can do this, and we can put a system in place to help you work through it. We can put a system in place to help work through the depression along with the help of of whatever medication you're taking
0: do you think being a person that's depressed or has anxiety does that put me behind the eight ball uh for what i can achieve versus someone who doesn't have those shadows or blockades hanging over them i personally don't
1: i personally don't because we as someone who has anxiety themselves someone who has struggled with depression in their life, we learn coping mechanisms and coping skills and situational stuff that those who have never had those situations have ever had to deal with. It's kind of like imposter syndrome. Imposter syndrome is a big word that's really, really popular right now.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: one of the things I was taking another another course with um, – with my girlfriend uh, Melanie, and she's an ADHD mindset coach, and she is phenomenal.
0: I have a couple of kids with that. I do too.
1: <laughs> and she she talked. We were talking about how we have this strive for perfection, and this is where our anxiety starts to come in, right? We have this strive for perfection. If it's not perfective. If we're not perfect, we can't do it. So then we pick it apart and we pull it apart and we pull it apart and we pull it apart. But here's the, here's the thing, imposter syndrome was actually identified by two female psychologists in 1978. More women struggle with imposter syndrome and anxiety than anybody else because we're inherently ingrained to do so.
0: I can see that because if I felt like a task is too big, I can't, I have a hard time picking it apart. I want to do all of it. And if I can't, then I'll just sit in front of the TV because-
1: It creates paralysis. Yes, exactly. I have that a lot.
0: Absolutely.
1: So that's where we would put a system in place there. So think about, and I I work with a a, a lot of people who have this around going live, live videos, doing TikToks, whatever, that kind of stuff. Oh, what if someone makes fun of me who cares what they, someone else says They just be, boosted your algorithm but, <laughs> that's true <laughs> and 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 i heard melanie say this and it was it was so spot on i actually I, we got done recording i was like oh my gosh She's just like to stop your imposter syndrome i want you to visualize yourself diffusing a bomb and she said i know for a fact stormy I've seen your newsfeed. I know for a fact you cannot do it, but I know in that visualization, you can walk yourself all the way through it based on what you think it is. She goes, do that and then go to your life. The minute you start to get that anxiety. And I was like, that's an odd one, but what she was saying by using that as an, as an example, if you can imagine it, you can do it and you are the expert in the material that you're working on. You're the expert. You have the knowledge, the voice, the sound that somebody needs to hear at that moment. Do the video, post it up, don't ever rewatch it again. Respond to the comments.
0: What can I expect from Stormy as a coach? What does that mean exactly?
1: Well, it depends on the, to what degree we're coaching. So for example, if you were coming into um, into our, my main program, thinking into results, it's a, it's a eight month. we have it set up for, for underneath myself and a couple other facilitators. It's an eight month program, It is 12 pre-recorded lessons by Bob Proctor himself. And then we have weekly facilitations. That come into play in study groups and and all of the all of the things, and then I also do some one-on-one coaching, and that is um, conducive to what the client needs. So it, we're going to go through basically an intake because I need to know how I can support you and where you are at and your goals, and is it a good fit to have you as a individual client, or would you be would you be better in a group situation?
0: And are you finding that a lot of your clients that come in, are most of them looking for help in a certain area or is it all over the place?
1: You know, I work with a lot of entrepreneurs, but what I find is even those that are not in the entrepreneur space, they'll have the same drive of knowing they're meant for more and they want more. They just don't know what it is.
0: Hallelujah. I hear that. <laughs> Absolutely. Tell me what... The greatest wealth is the freedom to create your own destiny. Let me do that one more time. The greatest wealth is the freedom to create your own destiny. Mm-hmm. What does that mean?
1: The great, it, it, It's yours. You can have, you can create, you can do, you can be anything your heart desires. You just have to quit telling yourself the story that you can't.
0: Are we our worst enemy then?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: What do you tell those people who are struggling with being their worst enemy?
1: Well, we, we, it's, it's a process. We actually have developed a a program, a a confidence program that we're going to peel back the paradigms, the stories, the things that have happened that are putting the fear in place to keep you from moving forward. So there's often, there's often a, a fear of doing something. For example, we use the lives as, the lives as an example. So I, I may ask you, when was the first time you felt that type of emotion? That type of anxiety, where were you, what was happening? And we're going to unpack that and we're going to replace it with a new feeling and a new story.
0: Do you think that people are more afraid of failure or success? Success. Why? Because failure is comforting.
1: To achieve success, you have to allow yourself to fail and you have to keep going. It's just like the person who wins the lottery who is bankrupt in six months. He was poor to start out and while you would think it's not comfortable to be poor, that is his comfort zone. So he's stuck in this bubble that he only is aware, only knows what he knows. So now this is why there's so many people have this yo-yo with with money or with, with all kinds of things. You start to get a little bit of success. People think success is a straight line. It's not. It's like up and down in a big, huge, giant yarn ball. But what happens is the first time they fail. Oh, see, I can't do it. Told you. That's it's not me. not to work. <laughs> That's me. I can't do it. Nope, I'm going to go over here. Or maybe they get a touch of success. It's scary. It can be. Maybe they get a touch of success, a touch of more money. Let's say it's a money thing. And they got an extra five or six thousand dollars that month oh my gosh that's huge so what happens we stop we stop what we're doing we take a break and then we forget to come back and so now it's not working take a break go on vacation take some time off I'm a huge advocate of self-care and self-care does not look like massages and medicures and pedicures to me self-care is setting clear boundaries. And that is one of the other pieces that comes into self-confidence
0: and self-image. Do you think that anyone can be anything in this country?
1: Yeah, within reason.
0: What does that mean within reason?
1: Well, I mean, I I guess I, I, I have no desire to be president, but maybe I guess if I wanted to, I could. But I mean, if I really, truly believe no matter if you want something bad enough, you are going to figure it out. You will find a way to make it happen. I like that. You, you, you really will. There was, um, I was actually just on a a training a little bit earlier today and, um, it was actually with Tony Robbins and he was talking about the gentleman who for 16 years, he was digging for gold and he couldn't find the 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 gold. Well, if you start asking the audience and he did, he started asking everybody, how many would you have given up at six months? How many would you have given up at a year? How many of you would have made it to the 16 year mark? At the 16 year mark, the man found over a billion dollars worth of gold. So, how often do you throw in the towel on what your goal really is, on what your desire is, on what your purpose is, because it's not coming fast enough?
0: Is there it. a time? Is there a time when you should? I don't want to say maybe throw in the towel, but is there a time when you should take a different direction because something is not working? And how do you know what when it is time for that? That's
1: where coaches come in. That's when. That's where a coach and and somebody who's done it before you. Somebody who can lead by by example. So often we're quick to go to our best friend or to the neighbor or to the girl at the grocery store, whatever, and ask their opinion on something, and they've never even done it or never even been remotely close. I to
0: I have heard that. Where I also have a little boutique, and uh, I don't know if you know who Allison Prince is. She's, Mm -hmm. well, she's, she's really big on, on online commerce or whatever. And she said, one of the worst things that you can do is go and ask a friend about a product Mm -hmm. or a family member, because they don't know. They might not even be the audience you're selling to. No. So they are not the right people to go to.
1: Your family and your friends are not your audience. I actually will not coach my friends or my family. I will send them to somebody else.
0: Do teenagers need mind coaches?
1: Yes, absolutely.
0: And so. is that a different approach? It is, it is. What makes it different?
1: It's a different approach
0: because they're they're so vulnerable.
1: They're still in such a vulnerable state in their life. And they want, not only do they want success, they want to make mom and dad proud, but they've got this outside world of friends that they also want to be the shining star with and so it's a it's a very different um very very different approach there
0: for someone like myself who is deciding "Mm, maybe it might be a good idea for me to get a mind coach a mindset coach what would be your reasons for me or any of my listeners on getting a mindset coach.
1: They, you have a burning desire for more, but you're just not sure what it is or how you're going to get there.
0: That describes me to a T.
1: You, you have a desire, you know, it's there. It's in, you can feel it in your being, but you just are kind of
0: stuck. And it's unsettling. Mm-hmm. It's very unsettling to always wonder to be looking at, but God or the universe, whatever you want to call it, like, what am I supposed to do with my life? What am I doing? Mm -hmm. What is your goal for the future? Do you have goals for the future? I know you do.
1: I do. I actually am. My current goal right now is to help fund 300 tiny home communities across North America for
0: homeless vets
1: and domestic violence victims
0: are you working with a specific organization on that
1: i have not found one yet i have one that i've spoken with out of um out of la and i actually have a builder out of canada who has offered to come down and help um but that is my my goal is to to be able to help fund that at the end of the year
0: that is a
1: huge goal both are very have heartstrings um to them uh, with both my husband's being vets, a lot of my friends being, being vets, um, such as Shiloh and, and many others. Um, and my, my biological mom being a DV victim herself and got lost to homelessness and never regained. You know, a home is, is safety and sometimes something just small like that can make a big difference.
0: What does the military community mean to you?
1: It's a sense of home. It's just a, it's, it, it just, it makes me smile when I even think about it. It was, it was his family. It's family.
0: And I think they are the ones who deserve, I mean, all of us deserve help. But for those who have sacrificed and given so much, we know that Shiloh sacrificed a great deal they are the ones who deserve the as much help as they can get in Absolutely. any capacity.
1: Absolutely. Where
0: Absolutely. can we find you online and on social media?
1: The fastest way to find me on social media is usually either on Facebook um, under uh, Stormy Art King or Stormy King. In um, Instagram, it's Influencing Destiny. You can find me on my website. It is being redone. It is not my, <laughs> it is my I ha, long story there. I paid somebody from overseas to do my website and I'm not, it's not my favorite. It's not my best work. And I'm not
0: a techie. I couldn't do it. I couldn't figure it out myself. Um,
1: but you could also find me at stormyking.com um, and send me a message there. Or you can send me an email at stormy at stormyrose.org.
0: I'm wondering if you can answer this following question for me. Oh. What is the best piece of advice you've ever been given or maybe your favorite quote?
1: Don't let your past define you. Do not let your past define you.
0: And Stormy, my last question is, what does America mean to you?
1: Freedom to be, freedom to have, freedom to do, freedom to be a part of.
0: Thank you so much for sharing your American story with us, Stormy. I really appreciate it. Thank you.
1: Thank you.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of Another Fellow Patriot. Be sure to check the show notes for links to this week's guest. For more connection to the podcast, visit the peopleouramericanstory.com for social media links, patriotic merchandise, and to sign up for the We the People newsletter. And finally, be a voice, a strong voice, a voice for freedom. As Benjamin Franklin so eloquently stated, where liberty dwells, there is my country.